0: If I were to be at New Beginnings this morning when that scripture that you are reading, brother, I'll be dancing to the pulpit and everyone will be beating some drums. But you don't do that when you are in the front of your professors. (laughs) But when I listen to the Old Testament, And I hear the blessings that were poured upon God's people. I understand that the word of God is not just the literature that we read. It's deeper than that. I am so grateful for this opportunity that is given to me today. I always say, I'm a proud boy of the Arcadia Divinity College. And I will always be. When Dr. Bly told me that I need to preach and say, would you mind? And I said, I have no choice. (laughs) I can't say no. But more importantly, I can't say no because of most, I would say the gratitude that comes from my soul for the opportunities that I have for the rest of my life. To be who I am going to be. Serving the Lord. Who I had always. From the very day that I knew God. Through Jesus Christ. Wanted to be. The book of Genesis chapter 28. That was read. I want to place my life. In this story. And tell a testimony. The testimony that I'm going to be talking about today. Comes from a heart of gratitude to every single one of my professors and all the staff of ADC and all those people who had supported me and all my other colleagues in one way or the other to be where we are today. I want to mention that the God of Jacob is still very much the God of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ is still very much the Lord, the Messiah and the savior of the world. And I'm going to say a few things. If you are here today, and by the grace of God, regardless of whatever we are going through, if you have faith in Jesus Christ, you are one of those who are called, set apart, and you have a purpose. You are specially cared for, regardless of our pain. We may experience sufferings. And most times, sometimes we are uncertain about our relationship with God, but we know that we are cared for. There are times we will get ourselves into trouble because of our sins. There are times that things happen because we have no understanding. In either of these cases, God is near to us. And God will always make a way of escape and God will continue to point us toward the goal of our calling, the goal of our life. God is faithful to his promises. And Jacob's stories remind us that. Number one, as we read through the life of Moses, I mean Jacob, we understand that the stone of hardship can be torn into a stone of comfort. When the Lord is on the top of the ladder, and he will always be, the difficulties of life can become a sweet memory. And a hardship can bring us to a place of covenant. If there is any way we will describe Jacob, we will say he's a man driven with purpose. That's one thing about him. We may not be able to say he's always faithful. He got into trouble because he was a cunning, deceptive person. He was dishonoring even to his dad against the commandment that you should honor your dad and your man. But he's a man of purpose. There is one thing that stood out in the life of this young man. He wanted so badly the promises of his fathers, the promise of, that God had given to Isaac and to, uh, and to Abraham, and he wanted it by hook, by hook, or crook. Jacob is one of those people that will say, "Heavens help those who help themselves." <laughs> but we know that we always pay for that when we put it away. Our, our His way of life led him to an uncertain situation; he had to flee and escape the wrath of his brother. He left the comfort of home, away from dad, mom and friends and acquaintances. And he happened to be in at this particular time, what seemed like he was moving in the opposite direction of his future and destiny. It was a time of suffering and affliction, a time of loss, and moments filled with regret, condemnation, a sense of unworthiness, and perhaps a thought that God was far away. Some of us are there. This was where I was many years ago. I had left home close to 19 years. Shortly, At the age of 20, when I gave my heart to Jesus Christ, we were introduced into all the sufferings and the persecutions that was going on in Russia many years ago, when Russia had not opened up, and people who were on the ground doing the work of Christ, and we will pray and say, God, use us. The limit I know was Russia, and I will say, God, send me to Russia. I want to go and preach the gospel. We were very much identifying with the situation and the suffering of these people. And I was far away in my village praying, God use me. Eventually, I had an opportunity to leave the country. And I left in 2002 in pursuit of a higher education. I finished my education and I started working. God provided for everything that we needed after I finished my education. It was a good life. I was, by the grace of God, working with what I would call a great team, one of the best, and we were building minds. I would say one of the best. too. I had always had at the back of my mind that my life was purposefully to serve the Lord. I knew it. But I would reason and say, that is the ministry God had for me. What could be better than this? My students and I were so much involved in community life. We will go into the houses of elderly people. We will wash their toilets. We will do every single thing together. It gave me so much joy. And I said, this is ministry. I'll be with my students all over. We were everywhere in the world. We will travel once or twice in a year. we go to to the poor people, wherever we find them. And we will see how we could learn from them and what we could do with them. I found that as a purposeful calling in life. And my wife would call me at some point and say, we need to move away from Singapore. We need to go to Canada or we go to Australia. And I told her, I said, if I leave this place, I'm going back to my homeland. I can't see myself doing anything. And I wanted to do it in my country. 2017, we went back home. And I returned back to Nigeria. And I wanted to put most of those things that I had learned being away into place in my country. And the doors started closing one after the other. The problem was that I had invested almost every single thing that I had gained by the grace of God when I was walking back into my country. When I was studying, when I was young, I was one of those who would go to school without food. I mean, without shoes, without sandals. We walked barefooted. And so when I started receiving what seems like a good living, I said, I need to think about those by the grace of God who were back home and we were building schools for children who had no future, who had no sense of purpose. The problem was that by the time I returned home and all the doors had closed and I wanted to eventually find some way of escape, I had no resources. And I had lost almost all the connections that we had because we have been away for almost 15 years. This was my situation. It was a dark place in my life. Because I got to a point where I was not going to be able to even pay for my children's school fees if I remained there. And I look at the future and it was like dim and there was no hope. But it is always a good place to be in the sight of God. Jacob was in this dark place in life. He was tired, unsure of what lied ahead. And he probably thought that it was all over until he slept. It was in Jacob's sleep that he realized that God had been pursuing him. The narrator drew a contrast between Esau and Jacob. Esau pursued favor with his own strength and abilities, but God pursued Jacob because he's a covenant child. God dealt faithfully with Jacob according to the promises that he gave to his father. In his dream, Jacob saw God's angelic host. They were in actions. They were walking and walking according to God's instructions establishing God's purposes on earth as it has been determined in heaven. There is nothing that goes contrary to what heaven has planned. Jacob woke up from his sleep and he was afraid as we had about it because he didn't know where he was sleeping was the very gate of heaven. It was difficult for anyone to realize that the point of pain, the loss and the moment of no hope could be the gate of heaven god is present here jacob asked and he said but i didn't know it the treasures of heaven were abundantly available in my situation but i didn't know it but god came at that point so that jacob could reflect and continue his journey with his pain but in the strength And the knowledge that he is present and he is sufficiently available. You know what I love? Whenever you get to the classes of our professors, you will hear something that will trigger your message. We later come to understand from the book of John that God's dream that was given to Jacob was a prophecy and a prediction of the fact that Jesus Christ will be the Messiah of the entire world, and that we can participate in this dream, and we can understand when God is on top of the ladder, we have all the storehouses of heaven available for us. In my state of loss, I called my wife. She has always been behind the whole thing, dedicated her life for me and for the children. And one day I said, we should pray. We knelt beside our bed and we were praying, God, my life is ruined. Everything is over. Why did I come back to this country? And then God gave us Isaiah chapter 50, verse 7. That was our our, our storehouse at that time. He said, because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, have I set my face like flint and I know I will not be put to shame. That word came to me that day, and I told my wife, sit down. Here is the word of the Lord. What does it mean? I have no idea. In the process of time, the Lord began to lead us and told me to return to school, a seminary training, and I will then put you into ministry. I didn't want to hear that. (laughs) Going back to school. Going back to school. After all I had done in those days, living as a student is not always the best thing that anyone desires. (laughs) It was from hand to mouth. And this time around it's going to be worse because I had no understanding of how I'm going to go about it. So I pulled my phone and I called my friend who we had been together in Singapore who now lives in Toronto. And I was making fun of myself. You know what I said, I want to be a pastor. And she took me serious. And I said, I was joking. And he said, why don't you go to Acadia? Acadia? Where was that? I've never heard about that in my life. And she said, Acadia is in Nova Scotia. And fortunately, I I took my phone and I called my church in Singapore. And I said, I'm pursuing this particular dream in my life now. And they were ready. They said they would support me. To cut the story short, the wife of my Chinese pastor happened to graduate from Acadia University almost 31 or 32 years ago now. And she said, Raphael, you're going to a community. It is a small place, but it is so warm and it is full of friendly people. That answered my prayer. It was a time when the US was boiling with the whole idea of the black and the white community. And my church wanted me to go and study in the US they were ready to support me and finance the whole thing, but I said, I'm not sure. If I should leave for the United States, I'm not sure whether my children and my wife will be able to join me. Mm-hmm. It was a time when my vision was deemed. Mm-hmm. I had no understanding what it will eventually play out to be. A time of loneliness, a time of no assurance about whether I should move on in my life. But the word of the Lord had said, you will not be put to shame and you will not be disgraced. So I put in my application and I remember I was trying to get an email to Catherine and say, would you give me admission? Would you not give me admission? And Catherine will not answer until when the final. <laughs> and then one day I received this whole thing. I had got an admission and that was the best time of my life. Pushing forward, the enemy wasn't happy that I'm going to be on this night at this journey. The night that was before the day I wanted to go for medical examination to submit to immigration, I was in the room and I was praying at night, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon me. It was more than it used to be in the past because I found myself shut in with God. I was praising the Spirit in the Spirit and I was praying coming from my soul. I did not know that the second day I would stand face to face with death. At 5 a.m. in the morning, the second day, I left home and I was going for this medical examination. Two young men approached me in the dark corner of the road. I thought they were looking for help, asking for where to go, but then they started struggling with my phone in my hand. And I refused to give to them. By the time they had uh, had struggled with me, I was on the ground, and one of them wanted to stab me right on the heart. But I could see him struggling as if something held his hand, and then I let go, and they went away with my phone. Already, I was so filled with mud that I wouldn't want to continue with the journey. But I had a voice within me saying, do not look back. Go ahead to where you are going. I went for the medical examination that day, dirty, and everybody was looking at me as if I was crazy, but I got it done. And eventually that was sent to immigration. During the downtime, we can still hear the Lord speaking. I was almost facing with death and every single thing in me was discouraged. But just like God spoke to Jacob in his dream, I had the voice, move ahead and do not look back. And I tell you one thing today, God's promises to us, they will always be with us. They will be yes, and they will be amen. Even when it seems that many circumstances of life are saying there is no way. Moving forward. I was right on the plane from Toronto to Halifax. Number one, I was missing home. Number two, I was thinking about where I am. The whole thing I know about the Northern American culture is what I see on television is mostly from the United States. So I was flying from Halifax even to Toronto. And then there was a guy who was sitting right beside me. He was a Canadian, and he looked at me and welcomed me, and I responded, and I said, thank you. Then I wanted the headphone to watch the movie, and then the stewardess told me that I need to pay a (laughs) dollar. I didn't have a (laughs) dollar, and this guy offered to help and give me that one dollar, and I said no. The reason I rejected was simply because my heart was filled with what is going on. It was partly pride, but it was secondly, because I was wondering, I have to keep to my community. I don't want people to just say, help them out. But right immediately, I rejected that offer. The spirit came to me and said, that is wrong. I repented and I said, I'm sorry, but it was going to prepare me for this community. a community that I have come to respect and with all my heart, remain very grateful. That thing brought me to Acadia Divinity College. And I remember the first day that I came, it was on chapel day. Mm-hmm. And after chapel, there was left over, over pictures. And usually you look for students who will go with those pictures. And then I remember that I was called upon. And I didn't think twice. I received it with a heart that my people are giving this to me and I belong to this community. I made up my mind that I was going to be as vulnerable as I could because I come to where by the grace of God, I will be loved and I will be accepted. Always looking for where I can help, I begin to ask and God put me into the hand of a young man. His name is Andrew. He was unbelievably the person that will get me to understand what it means to be a Canadian and a true one indeed. Andrew taught me a lot of good things, but a few things too. Dr. Blight will never put us in the same group. When in class. <laughs> I believe he heard from Dr. Zach these guys could do some havocs when they are together in class. We were in his class one day and we were chatting. For me, I thought it was confidential because so Zoom says, it is between me And Andrew, and at the end of the class, I received an email from Dr. Zach. You don't do that. You guys are chatting and I said, oh my, I didn't know that you are saying that. And then I repented and I said, Andrew made me do it. (laughs) I just want to mention one thing. When I was always down, And I have no idea where my life will be going. I found so much help and so much support. Before I end, there is one thing that remains so clear in my heart. If you really want to make me do life, I want to see you being number one, doing it first. So when I came, I saw my professors I saw the administrative staff. I saw the life that they lived. I saw the way I was accepted. I saw the kind of humanity that they just saw in me and respected. And I said, by the grace of God, I will put my whole heart into this work. Before I came, I didn't want to come and do academic thing. I said, it's all over. I'm not really for scores and for marks. I just want to do gas things. And I thought that I was going to be thrown into church and I will do more of church than more of academics. But when I realized that it was a very heavy academic thing, but I saw the life of my professors, I changed my mind. And I said, it will be a disappointment if I don't do well in the studies. I want to mention before I end that God has used your life so much to point me to the future. When my wife and children were denied joining me for the first time we put in an application and immigration said, no way. And right away, my head went back to say, this was what I was saying. I wouldn't be able to get connected with them. Then I was on my way to meet with Dr. Gardner. And then I met Dr. Robinson the way and she put her hand right on me and she prayed with me. I went to Dr. Gardner that day thinking that maybe they will not write me a letter because I was new and they didn't know who I was. But I was surprised, even before I asked, I was given the most beautiful letter that I could give to immigration. That was so important to me. I want to leave you with one thing today. If we are wherever we are in our life, if we are experiencing what seems to say, God, you are far away. Or it seems that our lives are not moving the way we wanted it to be according to our plan. I want to mention this, the promises of God to us, they are yea, and they are amen in Christ Jesus. God will be with each of us in the journey of our life. God will not leave us nor forsake us, and God will bring us safely to the destination that he had planned for us. And that is where I end my story. When it was time that I felt that I'm ready by the grace of God and I started praying, God, it is time for me to find a place where I will serve you for the rest of my life. The Lord take me to new beginning. Mm -hmm. And when I got into that particular space, it was as if I was back like a fish out of water and right back into it. This is home. A place where we're going to walk together and we are going to cry together. We are going to see God's transforming powerful hands together. A community where God is going to do amazing, amazing things, transform the life of young and old people, a place where people will come and say, God is on top of the ladder. But when it is happening, I can always say I was cooked, I was prepared, and I was sent from the Arcadia Divinity College. Thank you so much for everything you've done, and God bless you.